Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Do you remember when you were a young child and you were on the playground and they began to draw up teams? Anybody remember that? Oh, come on. Who remembers that? You know what I'm talking about. The children line themselves up, and it's usually, if you will, two of the maybe more in kids who get to pick the teams. I mean, call it what it is. And by the way, that was never me. But, but here's the thing that I know about it, and I don't want you to miss it. Even though you would jump up and down at times, hoping that you would be picked, It was never really about being on the winning team and not being on the losing team. Let's call it what it really is. It's that moment that you're not the last picked, but it's that moment of feeling that someone wants me. That's really what's going on in the heart of it. It didn't matter who was doing the picking. You might have played pretend and thought it was, but if one captain wouldn't pick you, you would do everything to try to be picked by the other. You just didn't want to be the last picked. There's something about being wanted, isn't there? You know, there's a story in Matthew, and I'm not asking you to go there, so I'm not going to tell you the chapter, but there's a moment in time where Jesus is with his disciples, and I think it's a playground moment. And Jesus says, who do you say I am? And there's this big dude fisherman that starts going, ah, mm, ah, mm, I know. And Jesus goes, all right, Pete, what do you think? He goes, you are Jesus. You're the son of God. And Jesus says this, blessed are you, Simon Berjona, which I just think is one cool name. I, I don't Say it with me, Barjona. Say it with me, Barjona. I don't know about you, but if I'm on my team, I want him shooting the threes, okay? It's just cool on the back of the shirt, wouldn't it? I want him to carry the football. You know what? 11-yard game by Barjona. I mean, I just love that name. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. It's an amazing moment. But Jesus does something that if you didn't hear last week's message in wrapping up the year by Pastor Reed, you need to. Because names are a big deal. And I'm saddened in our world right now that you and I don't see that as a big deal. We know that old little rhyme that used to say, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names, oh my goodness, names will kill you. Names will destroy you. I'm watching grown adults that I've walked into their grave at an old age who never got over a name when they were just a child. And I know a lot of God's children that get to the altar of Christianity and never grow into the name of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Names are a big deal. I mean, my goodness, some of you are still living right now and you're struggling in your marriages because there's a devil out there who's been calling you names and you keep believing it. Well, you're just a loser. Who'd want to marry you? You're so dumb. You know every red-haired girl has a temper. 
Well, that's not true. I know some ones with no hair that have a temper, trust me. <laughs> All blondes are stupid. Please don't say that in my home. It's interesting how so many people, a name's a big deal. Blessed are you, Simon Berjona, but something happens I don't want you to miss, and then we're going to go look at Mark 5 and the way I want us to be as a church. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. You will no longer be called Simon, but you shall be called Petros or Petra. Does anybody know what that word means in the original language? Rocky. <laughs> oh, come on. I grew up on Rocky. I'm perfectly fine if Stallone wants to make another movie at 102. I'm telling you, I love Rocky. But, but here's what I want you to understand. Jesus just said, you'll no longer be called Simon Barjona. You're going to be called Rocky. Now, maybe that's not a big deal to you, but I just wonder right now if Jesus put his arm around you and said, hey, you're my Rocky. I wonder what it was like when the disciples would go, hey, hey, Peter, because that's the word Petros. It means Rocky. They didn't even call him Simon anymore. I wonder what that was like for, for Peter. Hey, Peter. Oh, yeah. That's what Jesus calls me. <laughs> I, just, I just wonder. Let me, let me ask you this. What do you think Peter felt like when Jesus said, I pick you? Anybody here would agree that I think it changed Peter's life. That the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords said, I'm his Rocky? Does anyone here understand that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, why I talk about Christmas being a holy day, not a holiday, left his throne of glory to come down on our playground to pick you? I love the story. You know, decades of marriage. In all of its research, Dr. John Gottman found an interesting characteristic among healthy, happy couples. Do you know what it is? Healthy ones enjoy a positive to negative ratio of five to one. In other words, for every negative comment or criticism, there's always five acts or words of encouragement. <laughs> The similar result was found among business teams. One study of effective leadership styles revealed that high-performing teams experience a positive to negative ratio of nearly six to one. Six positive comments for every negative one. But low-performing teams conversely averaged three negative comments for every positive one. 
It's the power of encouragement. It's the power of speaking life. That's what the Bible says. The tongue has the power of life, but it also has the power of destruction. But I think there's a reason why we don't get this. Dr. Barbara Fredrickson, the author of Positivity, asserts that positive emotions, watch this, positive emotions, encouragement, actually increases a person's awareness, allowing them to see the bigger picture. And it will expand their peripheral vision. In other words, they see more through encouragement than they do through criticism. The field actually opens up. That's why Paul said it's good news, this gospel. It's not bad news. But we don't understand it and the power of it. See, by opening up your mind through positive encouragement, it will strengthen your relationship and improve your physical health. I will guarantee you, and I don't say this with any negative for those who are in medicine, but if the church could learn the power of the tongue, fewer people would be in the hospital than they are today. Guaranteed. Drug companies would hate the church. <laughs> Folks, don't miss this. People have a way of becoming what you encourage them to be. People have a way of becoming that. You can nag, you can brag. But those you build up are the ones that will never let you down. It's crazy. You know, a little boy said, said to his father one time, hey, dad, let's play darts. I'll throw and you say, wonderful. <laughs> we all need that in our lives, don't we? But just as true as I heard about two cows that were grazing in the pasture when a milk truck drove by. On the side of the truck were the words, pasteurized, homogenized, standardized, vitamin A added. One of the cows looked at the other and said, makes you kind of feel inadequate, doesn't it? <laughs> Inadequacy dwells in the hearts of billions of people. Not millions. Inadequacy dwells in the hearts of billions of people. So many marriages struggle. Why? I'm just, man, I'm just not good enough. So many kids in their education. Man, I'm just not smart enough. We're really good about telling God what we're not good at rather than living our life at what he is. Y'all catch that? Can I say it again? I, I just made that up. I think I'm trusting it was the spirit because I actually liked it, okay? More people will tell you what they're not good at rather than following God and living out what he is. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. And so here's what I want to do. Looking at a story in Mark 5, who's the Simon Barjona in your life who needs you to pull the Rocky out. Who's the Barjona? And it might be you. The power of what the church has within its grasp when it walks in the power of the Holy Spirit and how it can change 
a world. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to begin in the 21st verse. Is this good stuff? Are you ready, church? Okay, here we go. Mark 5, the 21st verse, here's what it says. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, watch what happens, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So Jesus leaves the crowd, comes across the lake, and the crowd is on the other side of the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Why would he say that? Because he's seen it. He knows what Jesus can do. And Jesus knew what he could do. Look what the verse 24 says. So Jesus went with him. But a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, don't miss this, at once, they're not alone. It's not just he and Jesus or she and Jesus. There's a crowd. At once, Jesus realized power had gone out. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, do not miss this, trembling with fear, told him the whole story. The whole story. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you, which I find interesting because we already know that she's been healed. And she's been healed because she touched Jesus. Jesus knew that she was healed. But yet Jesus says she's really not healed yet. Watch this. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your... But I'm already freed. No, no, no. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You've been freed from your suffering. What is he talking about? Well, if you got your notes, I want you to write these down. Here's the first one. Read someone's book. Say it with me. Read someone's book. If it makes better sense, read someone's story. Who touched me? That's what Jesus said. But I want you to think about this woman for a moment. You can only be picked so often that you're pretty much decided you're worthless. She's not part of the crowd. She's the last picked. It doesn't say that she's swept along with everybody else. She simply says, I need to get through everybody else, maybe not be noticed because I'm tired of being nothing. But she matters to Jesus. 
Because in a crowd, he knew someone had touched him. Watch what happens. Verse 33, again, she came shaking with fear, knelt down in front of Jesus. Then she told him the whole story. This just blows my mind. The whole story. How long had it been since anyone wanted to even hear her speak, let alone listen to her tell her whole story? It's amazing. Jesus, by the way, was on the way to hear to heal a 12-year-old girl. And yet he has all the time in the world to hear her 12-year-old story. Did y'all catch that? Jesus is on his way to heal a synagogue leader's daughter. It's a child. And yet Jesus has time to stop and all the time in the world to listen to the last pick on the playground tell her 12-year-old story. I just find that interesting. She's already been healed. She's already been healed. You know the old adage, never judge a book by its... And yet we do all the time, don't we? We do all the time. Max Licato is one of my favorite authors. Read everything he's ever written. My wife just got me his newest book and consumed it. He tells a story in that book. I've read it before because he's had it in multiple books where David Robinson, the San Antonio 7-2 center, the admiral they called him, came out of the armed forces and started playing basketball in which he grew to seven feet two, Hall of Famer, went to his church. He said it was very common week in and week out when David would come to church, he and his family, and they would walk in, and the moment he would, everybody would turn their heads, and young children would run over and greet him, and hugs would happen, and autographs would be signed, and this would happen week in and week out until that particular weekend when he came in. I noticed in the other doors came a homeless man. And if it wasn't for one of my elders, not one person would have said hi. We do it all the time. I know people who want to argue scripture over me because of some Christian author, what they wrote rather than what the Bible says. We do it all the time. Jesus didn't. Because Jesus understood everybody has a story, everybody has a story. And if you never take time to read story, you'll never get to know the person. And I think that's our big problem in the church today. It's weird. We never take time to get to know someone's story, but we always feel led in the spirit to speak into it. We always have an opinion, and yet we don't even know where they've walked. Jesus didn't have to hear her story. I just told you. He healed her. That would have been enough for her. Maybe. Definitely would have been enough for the crowd, probably. But it wasn't enough for Jesus. Now, I want you to listen to this, because it's this point that will just move us through the next two real quick. But there's an article out called The Habit That Will Put You in the Top 1% of Experts and Money Makers. So you might want to listen, because we like money in America. This, this habit 
We'll put you in the 1% of the top experts and those who make the most money. Here's what the article says. 25% of people have not even read a book this last year. And 46% of adults score in the lowest two levels of literacy among all ages. Reading one hour per day in your chosen field will make you an international expert in seven years. In other words, reading leads to expertise, and expertise leads you to success. He goes on to say in this article, if you read only one book per month, that will put you into the top 1% of income earners. But if you read one book per week, that'll make you one of the best educated, smartest, most capable, highest paid people in the world. Now, I read a book a week, and so this article's not necessarily true, okay? All right. <laughs> but I say this because this message isn't about reading books. It's about learning to listen to people. And I'm pretty sure when you and I get to heaven, God will never ask us, how many books do we own? But he will ask us, how many books did you read? The world is full of people who would love to tell their story. And that story might have been the greatest gift that God would give you that would change your life. So we have to learn to read books. But here's the second thing. Read the whole book from cover to cover. See, I've learned the art of speed reading. Some people are blown away by this. I can read a book pretty quickly. I can tell you all kinds of little stories that you need to hear that could help you and, and show you how to, to really consume a book because I've learned it. But when it comes to someone's life, speed reading is not an option. It's never an option. You can't skim through someone's life and think that you get them and you'll never be able to do it through social media. If this works, then God is not real and the Bible is garbage. I will go to my grave saying that. You will never build a relationship through this. God put skin on your body to be touched. He gave you a voice to hear. He gave eyes so you can look into them. There's a lot of good things in this, but it'll never replace what God meant most. And that's to sit down and hear someone's story, read their book, and read it from cover to cover. You can't skim read that. See, I have a library of books. Some of you ought to see it. Some people are blown away. I have an incredible library of books. I have an entire room here in this church that's full of books. I love books. Can't get enough of books. But my library is not an exhausted one. Don't miss this. The Library of Congress says they have 31 million books. Do you know how many books that is? That's a lot of books. And yet their library is not an exhausted one because I know books that are not in that library and blow your mind. But a few of them are in mine. No one can read every book. But together we can. 
Everybody is a story to be read. I can't read everybody's story. But together we can. When you understand how the church functions, and that's why we're going to talk about it for four weeks, because we want to help you understand that. No one can read everybody's book, but together we can. It's an amazing thing. God did not ask me as a pastor to touch my entire congregation, but he did ask me to teach them how to touch one another. Even Jesus said, that's why it's best I go away. Because I cannot touch everyone's life, but I can send the Holy Spirit, which will be in you, and then you can be me to everybody else. That was the whole point. That's why Paul said, the church, it's made of pastors and teachers, and their job is to equip God's people so the body would grow, that we'd be built up. This is why we do what we do. This is why we teach our life group leaders how to lead life groups. Because we want to learn and teach them how to pastor that group. The way God would pastor me and I would pastor the church. We want to teach people. This is why one Sunday every month, starting, if you will, tomorrow night, my, my friend and our district superintendent, Wes Smith, will be here. And we bring people into this room. Why? Because we want to teach you how to walk and to read other people's books from cover to cover. This is why we send out an email to every person who's ever gone through our membership and said, this is my church. Every Friday, you should be getting an email. We don't send it for you just to waste space. We want to help you grow, give you information you need. But so you know how to read other people's books. We have to learn as a church to start reading and listening and taking time for what matters most to God, and that's people. And to read their story from cover to cover. But here's the kicker, and I want you to write this down. And I'm going to ask the team to come to the stage. You've got to learn then to pass their book on. When you read a story, when you hear someone's story, and you hear the whole story, you've got to pass that on. You know, I read about a father, I love this, whose daughter went to the terrible twos. Anybody ever have to deal with that? Okay. Yeah. Boy, I got your attention. Okay. Some of you are married to him. Anyway, she was cute. She was strong-willed, almost more than he and his wife could bear. Some of you might remember the terrible twos. The father decided to take her out for breakfast and simply tell her how much he loved her and how much her mother loved her. My daughter, over pancakes... I just want you to know how much I love you and how special you are to your mom and I. You are so wonder, a gift we prayed for, and now you're here. We couldn't be more proud of you. When he finished, his daughter with this amazing glow said, longer, daddy, longer. So he did. He kept telling her again and again. He didn't get much to eat that morning. He says, but my daughter got all the emotional nourishment she did and needed. In fact, a few days later, she ran up to her mom and said, I'm really special. Daddy told me so. Would you all agree we all need someone like that in our lives? Paul wrote, look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Listen to this story. For decades... Andrea Moscany followed the same routine six mornings a week. The Italian maestro donned a coat and time, went to City Hall in his hometown in Italy, 
and entered a violin museum. There he stood before the elaborate multi-locked cases and admired some of the most valuable musical instruments on this planet. They are to the music world what the Declaration of Independence would be to an American, relics of fabulous value. The museum contained two violins and a viola built by the Amati family, two violins by the Eugenarius, and most precious of all, crafted by the hands of the master himself, Stradivari. Hence, Mr. Moscone, his job description, play music. And that he did. <laughs> Love this story. Every morning but Sunday, every month but August, he brought the best out of the best. He would gingerly and reverently remove each instrument from its case, play it for six or seven minutes, and then return it before moving on to the next. By the time he finished a day's work, the museum had heard the sweetest of music, the most valuable instruments, had felt the tenderness of care. And why? Most of these instruments were more than 300 years old. They deserve attention. Left untouched, untuned, and unstroked, the instruments begin to lose their vibrancy. Let me say it again because it's true for every man, woman, and child of any age, left untouched, untuned, unstroked, they too begin to lose their vibrancy. See, a physical healing is never enough for Jesus. Sadly, it is for us sometimes. I've seen it. Please pray, people pray, they get healed, and then they just go right back to their normal life. Wow. It doesn't really mean that much to Jesus because Jesus knows that true healing is not of the flesh, it's of the spirit. Thus, by listening to her story that day, he restored her dignity. Time has a way of giving that. But that wasn't enough for Jesus either. He affirms her. In other words, he gives her a thumbs up. He says to her, you're no longer going to be called this, but I'm going to call you this. And most people miss this in scripture. And it's in verse 34. It's one word, daughter. If you know anything about history, back in Jesus' day, the word daughter or the word woman was only given to someone of prominence and of value. How many times does Jesus, the woman caught in adultery, woman? <laughs> the woman at the well, she'd been married five times, living with a man. And Jesus says, woman. It's an amazing moment. In other words, Jesus says, come here. You're my Rocky. I wonder how that made her feel that day. 
See, I'm not sure what was more painful. Her physical suffering that she'd endured for 12 years or always being the last pick over the last 12 years. Here's what I do know. Those words from Jesus trumped anything that she'd been battling up into that point. I'll guarantee it. So I have an idea for this year. First of all, join a life group. Let's not let 2020 be filled with excuses of time and demands because life is all about time. The investment of it. You can't grow in Jesus alone and Satan's been doing a great job of keeping you busy enough. Join a life group. But don't join it if you will, as the story to be read, join it and find a story that you can read. Because everything you've been looking for might come in the answer of prayer through someone else's story. Take time to read their story, hear their story from cover to cover. Turn off the television, log off the internet, close your laptop, silence your cell phone. Give them the rarest of gift in our world today. Give them your full attention. But then when you're finished, tell them you're there, you're rocky. And then tell someone else about their story. I think if we would do that, the simplest of things, I think we would see things that you can't even begin to fathom. It's crazy, isn't it? Jesus is on his way to a child, 12-year-old girl. When he's done listening to the 12-year-old story, if you know how it ends, Jesus finishes and there's a tap on Jesus' shoulder and says, you don't need to bother now, the girl's dead. You know what Jesus said? Nah. <laughs> I have all the time in the world. I control time. And Jesus gets up, tells this woman, you're my Rocky. You're like awesome. <laughs> that was, and I can see disciples saying, and he's like, man, just, just want to tell you. You should watch the movie about Fred Rogers beautiful day in the neighborhood everybody who knew him said that's who he was always had time for the whole story and then he would tell everybody else about it Jesus makes his way to the house the little girl's dead ah, not to Jesus it's all about relationships everything's about relationships you want to help your marriage grow? When's the last time you listened to her story or you listened to his? When's the last time you made time? You want to change your kids' lives? Do what the Lloyds did, got rid of television. And today we sat around a table and played a game. Done that a lot. Time. 
we need to read each other's books, the whole book, and then become the greatest cheerleaders we can. And I think the world will be a better place. Would you agree? Father, there are so many stories in this room and I, I can't speak for anyone else, but how many times that I haven't even taken the time. I was wrong. I was wrong. And yet, God, you never asked me to read everybody's story. That's why you made the church, because together we came. It was never your purpose or plan that the pastor's job was to be the church, to grow the church, to, to be all things to all people. That's a misunderstanding of what Paul said. But together we can. Each one of us recognizing that you put us in a sphere of influence. Four, five people. And to know that story and to read that story and then to share that story, the power of how the world can be a better place. I wonder when we get to heaven, back in that day, if maybe there is a Billy Graham we never knew about, but it was a woman who for 12 years was last picked. <laughs> and Jesus said, not anymore. Wow. The power that we have at being your church. May that be who we are. And all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.